go. And a pleasant good afternoon to you, Jaden Daly, back with you on another Daily Dose of Hoops podcast, number three for us after John Fanta and Jerry Carino had their insights on the Garden State and the Big East over the first two weeks. We'll stay in our own backyard this time around. And before I get torched by the fan base of my alma mater, who better to talk about St. John's than the resident guru and beat writer for the Red Storm covers St. John's among his many talents for the New York Post. That, of course, is the one and only Zach Braziller. Zach, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us. I can't believe you had Fanta on before me. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can forgive you, Jaden. Uh, well, I hope I can work on you and get you to change your mind a little bit. But thank kidding. you again, Zach. And yeah, no we'll problem. Lead off, we'll lead off with St. John's in a 69-57 to 57 win Tuesday night over Butler at Karnaseka Arena. It was a defensive statement by the Red Storm after giving up 97 on the road against Creighton in the Red Storm's previous game. Mike Anderson has been known as a defensive coach and a defensive mind. And after he called a timeout at 9.15 to go in regulation after Butler cut the 13-point deficit that it had down to four points, St. John's went on a 10-to-1 run to ultimately clinch the game. And, Zach, I ask you this. Did embracing the defensive identity of this team, and Julian Champagne touched on this in the press conference as well, did embracing the roots on this team go a long way towards solving some of the early season inconsistency that may have been present on this roster? Yeah, I mean, look, this is, we, we all know this team is going to win by defense. It's how they won games last year. Um, they're bet, the funny thing is, you know, they're they're better offensively than they won last year, even without without LJ Figueroa, but they just haven't come close to playing as good defense as last year. And, you know, I think part of that can be attributed to no summer, no offseason, shorter non-conference schedule, and, you know, they're just not quite, you know, they, they don't have quite as good defenders. You know, they're working in new guys with two freshmen, two junior college transfers. So there are a lot of new pieces and, you know, they, it kind of looked like they're starting to get better defensively when they beat Georgetown and then they have the 17 day break and they come back and actually play pretty decent defensively against Xavier for 30 minutes. And then they obviously get, get smoked by Creighton, but Creighton's going to smoke basically a lot of teams. They're going to make a lot of teams look bad. Uh, but yeah, look, that was a good step in the right direction because I still think this team is going to finish around eighth in the league. Um, I know the fan base was jumping off buildings at one and five. <laughs> but if you look at this schedule and who they've lost to, I mean, they should be three and four instead of two and five. They lost an overtime game at Georgetown, a game they really shouldn't have lost. They played terrible. You know, probably their worst performance, in my opinion, of the year in that game. Um, so, you know, they, if they're three and four instead of two and five, I think people are looking at this team a lot differently. I said at the beginning of the year, I thought this was an NIT team. I still think it's going to be an NIT team. Granted, we have an NIT as long as they can, you know, find a way to win a few big games and, and finish strong. I think last yesterday was a, a good step in that direction. They just, they got to build on it. You know, they, 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 they need to, they need to defend like they did and, We'll see. Uh, we'll see Saturday. I think Marquette's an interesting game. I think it's a winnable game. They'll be a slight underdog, but I do think it's a game they can win if they if they play well. Seven games into the Big East schedule, and as you mentioned, St. John's two and five, and working in new pieces as you also alluded to: Posh Alexander and Dylan Adai Wusu, the two freshman guards. 
Vince Toll and Isaiah Moore, the junior college transfers, Arnaldo Toro, the graduate transfer from George Washington. Of those new pieces, Zach, who has impressed you the most? And if you can, just give a general recap for those who may not be as familiar as we are with St. John's as to what they've brought to the table and what fans can look forward to. Yeah, Posh has been really good, you know, um, I think. He's like, he's not a big-time offensive player, but he, he can run a team. He's a good defender. When you consider for a, for a true freshman that there was no offseason, you know, the team was supposed to go to Europe. That didn't happen because of the virus. You know, he, he, there's a shortened non-conference schedule, which is so important for a freshman. He's averaging over nine a game. He's averaging over four assists, two, you know, I think about 2.5 turnovers. The jumper has to improve. But he, to me, he, he's clearly going to be a, as long as he, you know, he doesn't go anywhere. I think he's going to be a very good four-year player. I, I also like the other freshman, his high school teammate, Dylan Adewusu. You know, it's going to take him time. He, he, he needs to develop and everything, but he's got a college body. He can shoot the ball. He could go to the basket. I think he's going to be a good player by the time he's a junior in college. I do like him. Now, the Juco guys have been a mixed bag. Vince Cole can shoot. He's had a few big games. He he hit a huge, you know, beat, beat St. Peter's late. He hit a um, – he, he played really good against Stony Brook. He's had a few really good games, but he's also struggled in Big East. His, his quickness is an issue. Creating shots is an issue. He's not a great defender, but he has, he does bring an element of shooting, which helps space the floor. And he has hit big shots, you know, against, against um, Butler, he closed the half with seven straight points. He had a, you know, like a 30 footer at the buzzer at the first half really gave this team a jolt. And for a team that doesn't really shoot the ball well, he did, he does bring an element. And then you have Isaiah Moore, who's to me has all the ability to be a good wing forward in the big East. He can shoot. He's athletic. He's long. He's, he's perfect for the press, but he really needs to learn how to play. He, his shot selections a mess. He's his defense is kind of hit or miss. He can block shots, but he also gambles too much. He's a guy that to me, I think you're, you're probably not, you're probably going to have to wait until next year to where you're really going to start to see some consistency out of him. But I do think he's a guy that can help this program next year. And then Toro has been, he's been a disappointment. You know, I, I know he wasn't, he, to me, he just doesn't quite fit the style. He, 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 he can't, he doesn't block shots. He's slow. You know, really haven't seen much of him in terms of a post-up game. He hasn't been nearly as good of a rebounder as I thought, you know, I think last night you really, you might see kind of the, a change where you saw Josh Roberts start with more out and Josh played really well. He really hasn't played much this year, but he was a huge factor as a rim protector finishing around the basket. And to me, he was a huge upgrade over what we've seen from Toro this year. And I, I think, you know, for talking to people around the program, the coaching staff, it sounds like he's going to get a real shot to, to kind of make a difference here going forward. We're talking to Zach Braziller of the New York Post covering St. John's. The Red Storm return home for Marquette on Saturday afternoon at Carnesecca Arena. And Zach will segue into Josh Roberts here. Eight points and three rebounds, but belied in the numbers is the impact that he made on the defensive end. Julian Champagny and Mike Anderson were both very effusive in their praise for Roberts Tuesday night in their postgame press conference. Anderson said that it's Roberts' time to reestablish himself as one of the dominant big men on the St. John's roster. He had a very good season last year before a shoulder injury kind of derailed his momentum toward the end of the year. 
Where do you feel on Robert Zach and how much more of an impact do you think he can provide this roster moving forward into the media to BD schedule? I mean, I think you look at last night. I mean, that's really all you need from, him. you know, he scores a few baskets in the paint. He, he gets a few rebounds. He protects the basket, you know, with the way this team plays and look, we've seen all year, they've gotten beat, beat off the dribble a ton. Although we saw it a lot less last night, but when you see it all, you know, when you, when you struggle guarding the perimeter, having a guy who could erase shots changes so much. And he didn't block any shots last night, but he definitely changed a few. And just his presence and his reputation for being able to block shots kind of seemed like it scared off Butler on a few drives. And that's just so important. You know, even more can block a few shots, but to me, he's not a true rim protector. He gets in foul trouble. I think, I think that's all you really need from Josh is what he did last night. He gets you 20 minutes. He get a few dunks, you know, you get a presence around the basket. That's, that's what they want. I mean, you know, I've heard a few things of why he hasn't been playing much. He had a groin issue. Obviously he had the shoulder surgery in the off season. He's been practicing much better of late is from what I've heard. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how he does. He's such a nice kid. Everyone likes him, you know, I'm really excited. And, and the other thing is we've said it, this team offensively has offense hasn't been the issue. I'm not saying it's a great offensive team, but they score enough points. The problem is they haven't stopped teams. And one thing that having Roberts in there instead of, instead of more does is Roberts isn't a guy that needs to touch the ball. He's not, you know, he's just going to get whatever you give him. He's going to set screens. You know, if you want to dump it off to him on a drive. That's fine. Whereas more is a guy that, Yes, he's more of a threat offensively than Roberts, but sometimes, you know, you need guys to play roles. And I think that's kind of been an issue at times for St. John's this year where you have so many new guys and there just haven't been clear roles set. And I think we're slowly starting to see that with Champetti is clearly the go-to guy. Um, you know, Cole's a shooter. Greg can create – Greg Williams can create when the time presents itself. Posh is running the team. So I think we're starting to see kind of some rural allocation. Um, and I think that's important when we, as we move forward here. You mentioned Julian Champagny, and we'll get into him a little more now. One of the BD scoring leaders and taking a jump freshman to sophomore that may have been ahead of probably everybody's expectations in terms of how well he's evolved and developed already halfway through his second season. Zach, where do you see Julian's emergence here, freshman to sophomore, and how much more do you feel he has ahead of him? And to follow that up, who needs to be the Robin to his Batman more often? We've seen it already a few times this year with St. John's where the Red Storm hasn't been able to get a second option consistently. Is this where a Greg Williams steps in or maybe an Alexander or a Rasheem Dunn? Um, you know, Julian's been terrific. I, I was I was so impressed. I remember the, the first game he played this year, he missed the first two with the ankle injury believe it was the Boston college game and he mm-hmm. hit 29 and I was just so impressed. He he's really emerged as this, the go-to guy, you know, his, his jump shot has gotten so much better. He's shooting on the move more, you know, to me, the big leap he needs to take is now that you're that guy. And I, and I liked what he did last night a little bit. Now that you're that guy, it doesn't mean you got to score 25 at night. You're going to get extra attention. He's the guy that teams are going to game plan for. So what he has to do, is now use that, you know, use it to, to create shots for other guys, make other players around it better. Just because you're the guy doesn't mean you got to take 20 shots a night. It means you get, it, you know, there's a responsibility towards that, to being the, to being that guy that teams look for, you know, that means 
drawing double teams and, and getting the ball to other guys. And now some of that's on the other guys to make teams pay. And you, you hit it now. Greg Williams has got to be the second guy here. We've seen it at times, but he just, you know, he had a really bad week last week um, in their losses at Xavier and Creighton. I thought yesterday he only scored four points, but I didn't think he was as bad. He had foul trouble, but I thought when he was in there, he was aggressive. He had a few threes go in and out. Um, I thought I thought he was okay yesterday, even though he didn't score a ton. But they clearly need Greg to emerge as that second guy. You can't ask Posh to do it. It's not fair. I, you know, Rasheem has the aggressiveness. I just, you know, I, I think he's better kind of distributing and attacking. And, you know, I, I don't if you're going to – I don't think asking Dunn to really be a guy to score 15, 20 points a night is, is what you want out of him. That's not going to lead to efficiency. Greg has got to be the guy. And for this team to get and gain any kind of consistency, you need Greg to do it. I believe St. John's is 6-1 and one in it when Greg Williams in the last two years when he scores over 13 points. Hasn't happened enough, but he clearly has the, the talent and the ability. And that, to me, is the guy that they really need, you know, to be good teams. They're going to need Greg to be a good player. One guy we haven't talked about enough, and we're talking to Zach Braziller of the New York Post covering St. John's in advance of the Red Storm Saturday tip-off against Marquette. That's Marcellus Erlington. He had a great finish to last season, single-handedly won the Big East tournament play-in game against Georgetown before the world shut down the next day, halfway through the Creighton game. Erlington may have been lost in the shuffle a little bit through the first half of this season, not really a defined role on the bench, and you see Roberts and you see more pretty much getting more minutes and more opportunities. What can you say about Marcellus Erlington through the first two months of the year, Zach, and what do you see the future holding for him from a short-term perspective through the rest of the season moving forward into February and March? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt Marcellus is disappointed this year. You know, I I kind of saw him as like a sixth starter. Um, you know, he it seems like he's kind of gone away from what made him so effective last year, and that was defending – that was kind of creating mismatches, you know, and, you know, shoot the ball when it's there. But I feel like he's kind of fallen in love a little too much with that jump shot, trying to be a true wing. But look, he's a tweener. That's what he is, you know, accept that. And, you know, if you have a bigger guy and you, yeah, you could shoot the ball. You have a smaller guy and you post him up. But I, you know, I just, I just feel like he hasn't, he hasn't followed up with what he did so well last year. Last year, what made him so tough was just his hustle and his, physicality and his grit and too much this year has been him kind of willing to shoot threes. And look, I know late in the year, his shot really came around. He was hitting threes, but I don't think that's what made him successful. And I think he needs to get back to what, what made him successful. And that's not just being a true wing. Who's going to, who's going to shoot threes. It's, you know, it's, it's being physical. It's using his strength, you know, getting every ounce of out of his ability. And, you know, I, I hope we kind of see more of that for him down the road here. On uh, the Daily Dose of Hoops podcast, Jaden Daly talking to Zach Braziller of the New York Post. Now we'll preview Marquette a little bit. Marquette with a 79-69 win over Providence Tuesday night in Milwaukee. Pretty much a deep team with an equal complement of guards and forwards, but Steve Ojahowski's group has also been inconsistent in much the same vein that St. John's has, has been. Two freshman bigs and Dawson Garcia and Justin Lewis to go with Theo John, Jamal Kane, Kobe McEwen in the backcourt with DJ Carton. Zach, when you look at this Marquette team, how well does it match up with St. John's? And if you're Mike Anderson, what are the keys to victory Saturday at Carneseca? Uh, it's all about tempo. 
you know, um, half court Marquette's going to be tough for St. John's to deal with their size, their, their guards, you know, Marquette likes to play at a slow pace. Um, but if St. John's can get this up and down, I, I really think they have a good ch- chance to win this game. You know, Marquette does turn the ball over. They're, they're very shaky finishing off games. We've seen it. You know, they, they blew a big lead to UConn. Um, they've been incredibly inconsistent. I mean, this is a team that beat Wisconsin, won at Creighton, yet got completely outclassed by Seton Hall, choked the game at UConn. We saw that. They almost, they almost lost to Georgetown. It, it's kind of a team you don't know what to expect. They had a really nice win yesterday uh, at home against Providence, but I don't think it would surprise anyone to see St. John's beat them. Um, you know, I, I, the, the matchup between Champagny and Dawson Garcia is going to be very interesting. You know, if they're going to play man, I don't know if those of Garcia can really stay with Champagny on, on the perimeter yet. I'm not sure about Champagny against Garcia on the block. Um, so that's obviously a very interesting matchup. I can really see St. John's going small here, especially if you don't have more, uh, available and we don't know what the status of what his status will be yet, you know, going, going a lot with Dunn, Posh and Greg and really trying to push pace and get up and down because Marquette's not comfortable doing that. They want it to be a slow, they like to play at a slow pace and play a half court, almost like Xavier, you know, where St. John's, if they can really get the game up and down, I think has a really good shot to win. I'll put you on the spot here, Zach, before the fan base gets restless. Who do you have winning this one? You know, I, I want to stick with my guns. I after last Saturday, I told St. John's fans I thought they would go two and zero this week. I I thought they would beat beat Butler by six. It was a little easier than I thought. I I thought they played a really good game. And what pressed me the most it was the second half because the first half St. John's shot the ball really well. They hit a bunch of threes. They put up forty one points. The second half they didn't shoot at all. You know, there were some there were some questionable shot selection. They still outscored Butler. That game was all about defense, and that's – like they've been saying it. That's how they have to play. Now, there are a bunch of reasons it just kind of hasn't worked out. You know, they, they just haven't been connected. And the way they play where you're always pressuring and you're taking chances, you're gambling, you need to be really connected. And that's really one thing they haven't been this year. They haven't been as connected as they were last year. And I think you could allude to a bunch of reasons. You know, obviously the virus, the guys aren't spending as much time together. You know, there was no summer, there was less non-league games. So you could point to a lot of things, but, you know, they were more connected against Butler. And, you know, and let's be fair, they, they played a good defensive game in Xavier. They lost the Xavier game because they couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. You know, Julian had a really bad game. Williams didn't play well. And to me, you kind of throw the Crane game out because Crane's, Crane's a Final Four team, I think. At least they're good enough to be. And... So I, I think they're going to do that to a lot of teams. So I think St. John's defense is kind of slowly coming along, even though the numbers still aren't great. And this would be, a, you know, a, a real confidence booster for them going into UConn Monday and then, you know, getting to play the Paul after that to maybe at least start to kind of start ahead in the right direction a little bit. Pivotal game Saturday afternoon for St. John's against Marquette at Center Arena. Zach Braziller of the New York Post helping us preview the proceedings from the red storm perspective zach thanks again for coming on spending some time with us we look forward to hearing your take and talking to you more throughout the season well man my pleasure have a good one you too back with you on the daily dose of hoops podcast Jaden daly here with you previewing st john's and marquette 
since our last break. The game has now been moved to 12 noon Eastern time. That's an 11 a.m. Central tip. That just came down after Georgetown went on a COVID pause and the Hoyas game against Providence was called off. We just got done wrapping up St. John's with Zach Braziller of the New York Post. Now we shift gears and we cover the Golden Eagles of Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, joining us to shed some further light on Steve Wojciechowski's team and the job that it has done through a 7-6 and six start on the year is Ben Steele of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He joins us right now. Ben, thank you for coming on and spending some time with us. Awesome, man. Thanks for the invite. Excited to, to talk a little Fordham hoops with you. Or wait, that's, Absolutely. that's, not, this, that's not this podcast. That's a different one. No, <laughs> I'm a tough, uh, tough act to follow with Zach there. I hope I can live up to the billing. I think you'll be all right. And why can't Fordham get podcasts like this? <laughs> Maybe one of these days they will. <laughs> classic, man. Classic. Uh, we got nothing but love for the Rams and we got nothing but love for the Golden Eagles too. And Marquette comes into this game off of a 79-69 victory over Providence Tuesday night at the Fiserv Forum. A big first half lead, double digits, got a little tighter in the second half before Marquette closed it out with a strong-willed final few minutes. Ben, what does the close to that game say about Marquette and the tenacity and the, the will, the fortitude that this team has to just salt games away. It's been a trouble spot earlier in the year, but what can you say about it now at this stage of the game? Yeah, they needed that because uh, the game before against UConn, Marquette was up 18 points early in the second half, and you know, the Huskies erased that lead in about seven minutes, and it was kind of a, uh, a dispiriting loss for for Marquette. So uh, they, the Golden Eagles went up uh, – I think they were up 16. Uh, I don't remember the exact point in the first half, but late in the first half and Huskies cut it to nine at halftime and then got it down to one in, in, in the second half with about eight minutes to go. So it got tense there for, for Marquette. It looked like uh, the same movie happening over again, but like you said, uh, Marquette got a bunch of clutch plays from a lot of different players down the stretch. Uh, DJ Carton kind of led the way, attacking the paint, got got a lot of free throws down the stretch, and that that's where Marquette's at its best, and that's what they need. So that that was a good sign for them. They needed they needed that victory. And you look at clutch players and clutch plays that Marquette has made. You mentioned DJ Carton, but also Jamal Kane. It seems like every time the ball is in his hands, he's hitting a clutch three pointer. How valuable is Jamal on this group? especially now with life after Marcus Howard in its first year and now playing with Jamal and DJ and Kobe McEwen as well. What does that say, the valuable guards that Steve Wojciechowski has? What does that speak to Marquette's ability to navigate the first year of the post-Howard era? Yeah, Jamal is a, a, a crucial glue guy for Marquette. Uh, he had a big game against Georgetown uh, when Marquette was down, down and big in that one. And they, they were the team to rally for the victory in that one. They were down 18 points in that game. And Jamal had 25 in that one. It's career high. He's a, he's, he, he's a crucial glue guy. He's their most athletic player. Um, can just a explosive vertical leaper. And he, and he's really good at knocking down corner threes. That's his favorite spot. Uh, and he, he had, uh, big three pointer against uh, Providence in that game. That that was a corner that came on a corner three. Um, yeah, he's going to be crucial against the St. John's, helping break the the, the pressure defense. And and Kobe McEwen's a, another player that that's going to be key 
um, against against St. John's. He's been he's been really good this year. Uh, it's probably Marquette's best defensive guy. Uh, he's guarded had to guard a lot of really talented players so far. He's had to guard you know James Booknight at UConn and and Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State and and David Duke in the last game against Providence. So and he he's fared well in in, in those matchups. Um, he he he's healthier this year uh, for for people that haven't seen him play yet. Uh, last year he kind of played with a. a injured thumb on his shooting hand. So I think that affected him a lot. He's shooting a, a lot better this year. Um, averaging double digits for Marquette. And he's had some big games. He's uh, really, really, all, all those guys are crucial for Marquette. Talking to Ben Steele of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Marquette basketball beat writer as the Golden Eagles head here to New York to take on St. John's Saturday afternoon. And Ben at seven and six on the year. Life after Marcus Howard hasn't been easy for Marquette. The bid wins against Wisconsin on the Justin Lewis put back at the buzzer at Creighton, which is one of the toughest road environments to play in on a bid schedule. And then some of the close losses, UCLA, Seton Hall in the final minute where Sandro Mamoukalashvili and Shavar Reynolds stole the game from Marquette in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Xavier at the buzzer on the Adam Kunkel three-pointer off the curl. The UConn collapse just a few short days ago is seven and six where you thought this program would be or where some of the insiders and critics may have thought Marquette would be almost halfway through the year. Yeah. You know, honestly, you know, losing a player like, like Marcus Howard um, and having the three new faces this season, uh, DJ Kern, we mentioned, we should mention Justin Lewis and Dawson Garcia, Marquette's very talented freshman, um, so they're integrating those three key uh, faces into the rotation. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect from this team this year. So I just kind of, I kind of figured they would be, you know, middle of the pack biggies. I kind of, kind of figured that as kind of a default. Uh, I figured that def- the talent's definitely there, and we've seen the talent this year. It's just been kind of up and down, like you mentioned, man. Big wins, two top. They've beaten two top ten teams. Um, you know, with, with Creighton and, and Wisconsin. Um, but they've also, you know, had times where they've really struggled and, you know, I guess it's kind of be expected that kind of up and down season with, with all the new faces and, but the talent's there. So you just never know what quite what Marquette team you're going to get whenever they play. You mentioned Dawson Garcia and Justin Lewis, and I'll throw Theo John into the mix too. Marquette has three capable bigs that have really impacted this team and how it plays on both ends of the floor. Do you feel Ben that having the three capable forwards has changed this program this year for the better with Theo having more of an emergence? He's developed a three point shot too. He's three for four from three, which is something I don't think any of us saw coming going into this season, but what would you say the three of them, Theo, Justin and Dawson have done to change this program positively from a front court standpoint? Yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't the Marquette team that that you're used to seeing from the last four or five seasons, where they kind of you know with Marcus Howard and Andrew Rousey kind of bombing away three pointers. Uh, this team got likes to likes to throw the ball in the post to those three guys and and let them go to work. Yeah, Theo had never attempted a three before this year, but he's three or four this year. But he does most of his work uh, down low. Uh, he's his offensive game is has really been a surprise this season like 
he goes to his righty and lefty hooks. He's been really good on that. Uh, Theo's kind of, he, he's been dealing with a little knee injury. Uh, he originally heard it in the Oklahoma State game, um, and you can see it. It bothers him sometimes. It was definitely bothering him in the last game against Providence, so that's something to watch. But he's a, he, he's a tough dude, you know that, so he's going he's gonna to fight through that. Uh, but, yeah, but the, the two freshmen are really good, um, really skilled players. Uh, they show a nice touch from the outside. And and Dawson Garcia, after, you know, he struggled a little bit with, you know, getting used to the physicality of the college game. But the last two games, it looks like he's he's really starting to figure out back-to-back 20-point outings against against UConn and Providence. So he, he's starting to figure out. Justin Lewis also had hit a little slump there for the last three games, but he had, a, you know, hit some key plays in, in that to hold off Providence. And then the second half of the last game, you know, he hit a big three, had a big block on David Duke, uh, big tip-back dunk that kind of energized the, the Marquette team that was kind of struggling. And and those guys like to get their points around the paint. So it's 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 a different Marquette team. I've been told Theo John's a bad, you know, word we can't say on this podcast. <laughs> it's <laughs> so. true. He is, but it's nice, nice guy too, though. Really soft, really soft spoken off the court. Not what you expect, but yeah, he's a, he's a tough dude on the court. To say the least. And we're talking to Ben Steele of the Milwaukee journal Sentinel covers Marquette men's basketball, golden Eagles taken on St. John Saturday afternoon. Steve Wojciechowski gets a bad reputation on the defensive end. We've heard it so many times, probably you more than me being in Milwaukee and in the nerve center of the program. Oh, Wojo doesn't coach defense. He can't coach defense. Marquette doesn't play defense. The Golden Eagles have given up just 69 points per game this year through 13 contests. What's changed on that front, Ben? What has made Marquette maybe a little more of a defensive unit this season than in years past? Yeah, like – like most of Marquette's uh, season this year, the defense has been kind of up and down. You see the talent there. Um, I, th- I think it's been a, an infusion of, you know, the, the two freshman guys, um, Garcia and Lewis are both long and, and, and strong. And uh, Justin Lewis in particular is a, a really good rebounder. Um, Theo uh, last season played through a, a a right hand injury that he had surgery on his on his wrist in the off season. So he was fully healthy before he hurt that knee. And he was he was really good at early in the season. Um, his mobility has been affected a little bit, but but he's still uh, still a great shot blocker. Uh, you know, some of the defensive issues that Marquette had in recent seasons um, were due to you know Marcus Howard was you know five foot eleven and when he played with Andrew Rousey who was also you know a sub six foot guard that led to a lot of issues. Uh, but this year Marquette's got a little more size in the backcourt. Um, where they've had issues this year is kind of losing track of shooters and they've been been hurt a couple times by uh, you know ball rotations. You know Colin Gillespie hit you know I think six threes if if I remember correctly off the top of my head and. Adam Kunkel and, and Paul Scruggs against Xavier kind of torched them uh, outside, uh, including the, you know, Kunkel hit that that dramatic game winner. Um, uh, I think, I think Ballock hit, hit seven threes if, if I'm, I'm going off the top of my head here, but, you know, they've been vulnerable to shooters. That's kind of been their, uh, their bugaboo this season, but 
the talents there defensively, it's they're still just like everything else with Marquette's just just a little up and down. And so too is DJ Carton and Kobe McEwen, the combination as Marcus Howard's successor at the point guard position. Ben, we didn't mention Carton or McEwen enough in the open in the intro to this Marquette team, but how well have they done being combo guards who can handle the ball and score the ball in equal parts? And how much have the two of them really steered Marquette in a year where a a transition was to be expected? What can you say about the job that each of them has done? Yeah, like I like I mentioned, Kobe's been been really good this year. Uh, I think he's thriving more in a in an off ball role. Um, I don't think he's a natural point guard. I think he's he can handle the ball a little bit. I'm sure he's going to have to against St. John's pressure. Um, that's going to be the key to this game, I think. Um, and DJ is, you know, as expected, you know, since as a newcomer to the program, and you know he left Ohio state and in January last year. So it's taken him a little while to, to find his rhythm, but he's had his moments and really like coach Wojciechowski really put the, puts the ball in DJ Carden's hands down the stretch of, of when they've gotten into these close games, he had a really big basket against Georgetown in the, in the final minutes and had a big assist to Jamal Kane for the, uh, the dagger against, against the Hoyas. And then, like I mentioned against Providence, uh, DJ just attacking and getting into the paint. He's really quick, really good ball handler. Um, been a little loose when against full court pressure, so that's that's going to be interesting against against St. John's. But he's quick, man. He gets to the basket and he's really athletic, and he can he can rise up and punch it on you too. So um, yeah, they're they're figuring that out. Um, I I think that those two guys, Kobe and, and DJ kind of complement each other pretty well. We're talking to Ben Steele of the Milwaukee journal Sentinel previewing Marquette as the golden Eagles prepare to face St. John's on Saturday. Ben, when we had Zach Braziller on just a few moments ago, he was highlighting the matchup between Dawson Garcia and Julian Champagne mm-hmm. of St. John's. He feels that Champagne would have the edge on the perimeter against Dawson, but on the block, he's not so sure about Garcia being able to rather about Julian being able to get the better of Garcia inside. How do you feel that matchup will go? And what can you say about the bigs versus the bigs Marquette and St. John's and Marquette's guards against the St. John's backcourt of Pasha Alexander, Rasheem Dunn and Greg Williams with their pressure defense. Yeah, that's, those are the the two matchups that I was going to highlight Champagne, um, versus Garcia and, and Lewis will probably guard him a fair amount too coming off the bench. Um, both Garcia and, and Lewis are pretty, mo- pretty mobile. Um, I don't know if they have quite seen anybody like Champagne so far. So it's going to be interesting to watch them guard, but guard him. But uh, yeah, uh, Dawson, like I mentioned before, is just kind of really figured out the physicality of the college game and banging down low and, and, and scrapping for rebounds. Um, so maybe he's got the edge there and, you know, he can, Dawson can hang. Uh, I think he's got pretty good feet. I think he, he has the ability to be a good defender. Now he's just got to put it all together, but this is, this will be a big test. And, and yeah, the key, the, the matchup I especially am going to want him to watch is, is, is Posh versus DJ. Um, and that, that full core pressure, um, like I mentioned, DJ has kind of struggled 
when when defenders have got up into him and he's been a little loose with his handle against full court pressure and that that'll kill you against St. John's. So it's uh that's that, that's gonna be the one to watch. I I love watching Posh Alexander. I think he's one of my favorite players to watch, man. I get tired just just watching him, just how, <laughs> how much expend, you know, energy expends. And I'm just I'm just watching on the couch and I'm exhausted. <laughs> Try covering that 40 minutes a night. It, oh, it can be pretty exhausting. But yeah, Pasha Alexander, the impact that he's made as a freshman really speaks to his pedigree and mm-hmm. his natural fit in Mike Anderson's system. Yeah. And we're talking to Ben Steele of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Ben, as Marquette prepares to contest the opening tip against St. John's, any other keys to victory that you might want to highlight? And then we're going to put you on the spot here. Who do you have winning this game, and how do you think it's going to go? Yeah, man, I I was just thinking before I came on, like Marquette's really struggled against uh, road games against St. John's. I was just thinking back. I've never actually seen Marquette win a game at Carneseca for sure. They, I know they beat St. John's in the Big East Tournament uh, in the 18-19 season. Uh, I want to say the last one was – the game that got moved to Carnesecca because yeah, this, of the blizzard. Yeah. The garden had Bruce Springsteen that night and that got canceled. So wow. yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking back. I want to say it was that one Mullen's first year. Yeah, And uh, yeah. And there's been some wild games. Uh, you know, I remember the first, first game I covered at Carnesecca. That's when Shamari Pond scored 44 against Marquette. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rousey had a 30 piece too, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I remember him shooting from the logo at Carnesecca knocking one down um, i think he did the thing that game too uh, i w- i wouldn't doubt it that was uh <laughs> that was the heyday of the thing that that season and then yeah then i think the the big east opener and that 2018-19 season that was when justin simon kind of shut down marcus howard probably one of the best defensive efforts efforts i saw during my time uh covering marcus howard mm-hmm. um so yeah that you know, I think this is going to be a really like like every Marquette game is going to be a, a tough wild game. But uh, I think I as of now, I would probably give the edge to to St. John's playing the the road game and that that pressure defense. Like Marquette's had a penchant for turnovers this year, and uh, that could that could rear its ugly head this time. Talking to Ben Steele of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, sharing his insights from the Marquette perspective as the Golden Eagles and St. John's prepare to lock horns. For the first time this season, Saturday afternoon, 12 Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. For those of you watching in Milwaukee. Yep, set your alarms. Yeah, I'm going to have to, too, here in New York. Marquette and St. John's at Carnesecca. Ben, thanks again for coming on and spending some time with us. Always like hanging out with you, man, uh, talking hoops, and maybe next time we'll get to Fordham. Who knows? One can only hope. Good places to eat on Arthur Avenue. You might want to highlight that the next time you come here and you do big eats. Oh, I hope so, man. I miss the, I miss the food in Queens, downtown Flushing, man. I, I, I love, love that. Love, love when, when, when Marquette plays in Queens. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Ben, thanks again. All right. Thanks for having me. No problem.